Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can sing praise to your name. We can sing melody in our heart because Jesus saves, because you have saved us, you have changed us, you have transformed us by your power. We are your people. We come to this place today celebrating life in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for dying for us that we might have life, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are now our high priest and mediator king in heaven. And pray, we pray today that you might help us for just a little while to move our minds from this world and set our minds on things above. So we come now with the help of your word and these spiritual truths from your word about your life, Lord Jesus, and your work so that we might gain encouragement and help and support in all the difficulties and troubles of life. We pray for those who are away on vacation and others who are not able to be here today, those who are sick and others who are unable to be with us. We pray for those who are joining us online. May the Lord bless them in whatever their condition, their circumstance. And for those among our church who have lost loved ones recently, we pray for them. And we ask that your mercy and grace and encouragement would be for them. We present them to you and you know what's best for them. Calm our hearts and our minds and remove distractions from us for just a little while here as we hear these glorious, wonderful words that you have for us from your word. What a joy and privilege it is to sing praise because we are saved by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning and happy 4th of July weekend. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us, God bless you for being here. Find your place in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 9, as we get settled in this morning, Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, we do hope that you'll be able to be with us Wednesday night. We'll be talking over the next uh, Wednesday nights in July about some really important things that go on in the life of our church related to how we do our mission and how we do our work. And uh, it will be a blessing for you to be here. If you're online with us today, may the Lord bless you. Wherever you are, God bless you for being with us. We're making our way through the book of Hebrews and learning some very important lessons about our Lord Jesus Christ. My dear friends, the more you think about the Lord Jesus, the more you allow the Word of God to teach you about the Lord Jesus, it will draw you closer to the Lord Jesus. You'll want to know Him more. You'll want to speak to Him. You'll want to follow Him. You'll want to trust Him. And that's what I'm laboring to do with you these days. These are mysterious and glorious truths that I'm sharing with you from the book of Hebrews. In fact, some call Hebrews chapter 8 through about chapter 10, the holy of holies of the book of Hebrews. I, I would agree with that. So today we are going to pause and read the Word of God and we're going to go back to heaven in our minds. This is what we do as Christians. Boys and girls, as, you, as a Christian, you learn how to think about heaven as much as you think about the earth. You learned, and how do you do that? You learn from reading the Bible, God's Word, and it helps you understand what's going on in heaven. It helps you understand what the Lord Jesus is doing, and what a wonderful place heaven will be. God's word points us to the work of Jesus Christ so that we, how can I go to heaven? How can I go to heaven? I must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So now you've had time to find your place, Hebrews chapter 9. 
Uh, we'll look at several things in chapter 9, just like we did last week in chapter 8. And uh, these are very important words. And then we'll land on verse 15 as our primary focus today. Let's begin by reading in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse number 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but please notice, through his own blood, he entered the holy place, that is heaven, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Verse 13, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse you, your, your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now read carefully with me verse 15. It's a conclusion. For to this reason, he, that is Jesus Christ, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. Heavenly Father, today we thank you that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be cleansed from a guilty conscience. And we can be cleansed from a guilty conscience and turn and live for you by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, may we pause for a moment and reflect again upon the significance of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit of God, we honor the Lord Jesus. We lift up the cross of Jesus today. May the words that I speak about the Lord Jesus be as I lift him up. May all men be drawn to him. May the Holy Spirit of God do his deep work in our lives of gratitude and gratefulness in our lives and thankfulness as well as drawing sinners to be saved. We pray, Lord, that you would have your way and Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our truth today, our focal truth from these words, what do we want to focus on today? Well, number one, we'll look at some observations in a moment, but before we do, here's the focus for today. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest, mediator on the cross provides eternal salvation for believers. Look, this never gets old. This never gets old. From the time you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you experience eternal life. You've been forgiven of your sins. You're not perfect. We still fall into sin. We still stumble as believers. But when we sin, we have, as John tells us, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous who's paid for our sin. So if we confess our sin as a believer, he forgives us of our sin. We don't live under 
uh, under his discipline in that way, but he forgives us and we have a new fresh start. But it all ties to the death of Jesus Christ. The only way a wicked sinner like me could ever be saved, the only way a wicked sinner like you could ever be saved is by the death of Jesus Christ. So in order for me to understand the glorious heavenly work of the Lord Jesus Christ, I must remember what his earthly work accomplished. This becomes very important. We cannot separate the earthly work of the Lord Jesus Christ from his glorious heavenly work. Oh, the pain, the sacrifice, the difficulty. We've talked about that. We've talked about it before. We've talked about his suffering. So today I present before you the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in these passages, in this section of Hebrews, it is the Holy of Holies because here the blood of Jesus Christ is spoken about with more frequency than any other place in the book of Hebrews. It is a very glorious, wonderful thing. So three observations from these verses. Number one, Jesus Christ, high priest, is the mediator by his blood. Now, I'm going to say this three times. By his blood, he entered heaven forever. That has a great significance for us. Secondly, Jesus Christ, high priest, who is our mediator, by his blood has secured eternal salvation for those who will believe. And then finally, Jesus Christ, high priest, mediator, by his blood, has, he provides an eternal inheritance for everyone who believes. These things are for you today to encourage you as followers of Jesus. So we think about the blood of the Lord Jesus, but in addition to that, we have some inter, we have we have a comparison. Let's go first to this first principle of the Lord Jesus has permanently entered into heaven, never to leave again. I spoke about it last week, but now we come back to it again. But when Christ appeared as high priest, verse eleven, of good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. That is, he went to heaven. The Lord Jesus died, he rose from the dead, he ascended bodily, physically, into heaven with a glorified body, and now he is there in that glorious place. And he is there forever. But there's, there is a description here of what happened during the Old Testament time with the priests. They went in and out of the holy place. They went in and out of the tabernacle. They went in and out of the holy of holies. We know that the tabernacle and the temple as designed by God for the children of Israel, had the outer courts, but then the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And through the book of Hebrews, uh, Paul describes it in some degree. But I want to read to you Hebrews 9, 6. When these things have been so prepared, that is when, the, when all of these things are in order, uh, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, verse 7, only the high priest enters once a year and without, and not without blood, which he has offered for himself and for the sins of the people who've committed their sins in ignorance. Now, what do we have here? Well, we have the priests going about their work in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle and temple. They're going in to the tabernacle and the holy place, the holy of holies and the holy place. And then they're coming out. They're going in and they're coming out. And then we have this wonderful contrast. The best news of all. Our high priest has gone in based on his death, on his own blood. Verse number 11, when Christ appeared as high priest, 
of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect uh, tabernacle, verse 12, and he entered not with the blood of animals, but he entered through his own blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. What do we mean? We're talking about the cross. We're talking about the Lord Jesus and how he was treated before the cross. Do you remember that? Do you remember what happened to the Lord Jesus who was beaten, lacerated from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet? Blood pouring out all over his body, all kinds of sores, all kinds of uh, ripping of the flesh and bleeding of his body when he was beaten by the Roman soldiers and by the high priest soldiers. Beaten and punched in the face and badly bruised. Then he was taken and put on a cross and there he was uh, his hands were nailed and there his feet were nailed in place and then finally the soldier pierces his side and blood and water pours out. The blood of Jesus Christ. The cross is about the blood of Jesus Christ. Innocent blood. Blood shed, blood that poured out. The blood of Jesus Christ's body was innocent blood. It was, it was holy blood. It was the blood of the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. It was life-giving blood. This is the blood that will give life to all who will believe and cover sin. It is, it is death-destroying blood. When you consider the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no way to have eternal life, nor to know Jesus Christ without coming to terms with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He died there far more than just a good man for other people. He died there as the substitute for sin. And not only our sin, but the sin of the world. He has now satisfied sin. He has put to, he has put to death death's ability to hold us in its grips or Satan to hold death over us and fear. Here it is, my friend. Think about it today. This is to encourage you. Your high priest has entered forever into heaven and he's not coming out again until the Lord God sends him back to this earth to finish his work. So Christ has appeared as high priest because of the death on the cross. Good things have come to us. Good things. You've been forgiven. You have a new, you have a new nature. You have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling. Good things have come to you. You have heaven for your home, not hell when you die. Good things have come through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he now, he is now ascended to heaven when you're at your darkest moment. Some of you, when you're teenagers, when you have students, when you have despair in your life, you should think about the Lord Jesus in heaven. You should think about that he's there and he cares about you. And you should think about that you can pray and talk with him and tell him what you're going through. And he understands what you're going through. He sympathizes with what you're going through. And so the Lord Jesus is our mediator. He's the one who stands between us and God. He is the one who brings us together. He's the one who links us together. And he does it all because of what he did on the cross. Praise God. But there's something else. Jesus Christ, our high priest, in verses 12 uh, through 15, he, I want to talk about this for a minute, he secures eternal salvation. 
Now we read it here and we read it carefully through his blood. Verse 12, he has entered the holy place. Uh, verse number 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, please notice, without blemish to God. There was no unholiness in the Lord when he died on the cross. There was no sin in the Lord when he died on the cross. How much more will the blood of Christ, look what it will do. It will cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's what it will do. It will, it will cleanse your conscience, verse number 12. Verse number 12, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he has entered the holy place once and has obtained, that is, he has secured eternal redemption. He has secured eternal salvation. You see, all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ experience something quite dramatic. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your permanent eternal condition and location is changed. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you go to heaven. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You experience salvation now and salvation to come. You've been saved and you've been saved eternally, not based on what you do, not based on religious rituals. You have been saved when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, when you repent of your sins, he saves you and it's eternal. It's permanent because it's based upon the Lord Jesus current life in heaven. I'm saved today forever because Jesus is alive forever in heaven. My eternal security is tied to the person, the living eternal person of Jesus Christ. This is what gives me hope and encouragement. Because before I was saved, look at this now. I want to talk to you for a moment about verse 14. Something happens when you get saved that you have a concern and a difficulty with before you're saved. You see, when you don't know God, you live with a guilty conscience. You see, when people have a guilty conscience, they try to do good things to make up for the badness in their life. They think about themselves and think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a good person. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm a guilty person. So maybe I'll do some nice things for someone. I'll go somewhere and do something for them. I'm guilty of sin. I'm guilty of treating people harshly. I'm unworthy of forgiveness. I've done some terrible things. Not everybody knows about it, but the guilty man or woman, the guilty teenager, the guilty boy or girl says, I've done things and I'm not worthy to be forgiven. I'm not worthy to experience forgiveness. I'm an unholy person. I can't get around good people because I'm such a bad person. I'm describing what it feels like to have a guilty conscience. I'm going to, I'll go to church. Maybe if I go to church with my guilty conscience and I just go, I'll feel better about it. But you come out of the church service and you feel even more guilty than when you went in to the church service. Well, I'll read my Bible and when you read it, you can't quite make sense of it. And if you do, you only feel more confusion and guilt because you don't know how to get to God. You keep trying to do good things, but they don't seem to satisfy. And so you cry out, you live inside with this pain of guilt of sin that can't be washed away. It's always in your mind and unworthiness 
and an unholiness and a restlessness looking for someone who will give you satisfaction. And I tell you today, the one who will cleanse that guilt from your mind is the Lord Jesus Christ when you come to him and be saved. That's what, how does that happen, Pastor Mike? Well, it's not a physical washing. It's inside. It is the washing of the water of God's word by the Holy Spirit. These are the mysteries of salvation. Anybody who pretends to be able to tell you as a teacher how it all works, you don't need to listen to them. The mystery of salvation is one day as a nine-year-old boy, I saw the sin in my life. The guilt was strong. I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and a washing takes place in your mind and a soothing and a peace. And all of a sudden as a guilty sinner, I became a saved sinner and I cried out again. I am forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm free and I'm a new person in Christ. The guilty sinner can only be cleansed from his guilty conscience. Are you listening? Not by religious duties, not by going to church, not by how much you read your Bible, but by coming to the Lord Jesus and repenting of your sin and saying, I am a guilty sinner. I deserve judgment, but I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why, the, it's why Paul said this in, to the Corinthians for the word of the cross. I've just been describing it. The word of the cross, the blood of Jesus is to those who perish foolishness. What I've just said is fool's talk to people in the world. Fool's talk. You mean if you believe in Jesus Christ who died on a cross some 2,000 years ago by the Romans, you'll be changed? Yes, I believe it. I believe it with all of my heart and life because I have experienced the personal change in my life and I'm a nobody. I'm just somebody like everybody else. And the Lord Jesus, I could have some people stand in this building today who would declare the same thing. The preaching or the declaring of the cross is foolishness to those who perish, but to those of us who are being saved, we have been saved, we're being saved, we will be saved. It is the power of God to salvation. Praise God. I stand today so grateful to have eternal salvation secure for me because of the blood of Jesus and his death on the cross. When he said it's finished, it was finished forever. I'm so grateful to stand here knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from a guilty conscience. And now when I have sin in my life as a believer, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness for his name's sake. Finally, Jesus Christ, high priest, mediator by his blood. Now this is, this is good news for us. This is great news for us. Not only do we have eternal salvation, not only does he cleanse us in our minds and wash us with the word of God. This is the way we wash in our minds. We wash by the word of God. We wash by the word of God. We must cleanse ourselves by when we come to God's word and read it. And when we come to receive it, this is when another mystery, the Holy Spirit of God comes and teaches us. What did we learn last week in chapter eight? When we look at the promise of what it means to be saved, it's sometimes called this new covenant. We see these words that all of a sudden, uh, I will put verse 10. This is chapter 8, 10. This is God's promise. When you're saved, God puts his word in your mind. 
He promises to write it in your heart. That is, you'll remember it. You'll keep God's word in your mind and in your heart. And he will be our God. We will be his people. We have a relationship with him. And we know we have knowledge of God. We come to know him by the Holy Spirit. And he's merciful to us in our sins. And he doesn't remember our sins anymore. So what does this mean when we talk about our inheritance? Well, let's read carefully now, verse 15. It's a long verse, and sometimes we American Christians get distracted, and we don't finish up the words. Pay attention to every word here in verse 14. Because of the blood of Jesus, verse 14, that was given by the Lord, it cleanses those who are saved. It cleanses us from our dead works, and we serve a living God for this reason. He is the mediator of a new covenant. You see, it took the death of Jesus Christ to enact this new covenant for all of us in this room who are saved to experience. You experience salvation because Jesus died. You get life because he died in your place. This becomes very important for us. So notice, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that the death that has taken place, the Lord Jesus, for redemption, for salvation, for sin... Under the old covenant now has been taken care of. You see, there's no reason to have to go back to doing works to somehow be saved. You come to salvation through Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, he says in the last phrase of 15, those who are called, those who are saved, the called receive the promise of eternal inheritance. God made a promise. I will change you and make you a new person in Christ. And the way it's guaranteed to us that we receive it as believers is because of the death of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this, you called ones here today. This is the way Paul mentioned this earlier in this book. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. You know who I'm talking to today. Those of you who are saved today are a part of those who have experienced the heavenly calling. You heard the truth of the gospel somewhere. You heard it and you believed it. You didn't understand it, but all of a sudden you heard the gospel and you sensed God calling you, calling you out of your sin, calling you away from your old way of life to live a new way. That's why we sing in our church, Jesus is tenderly calling us Today, he's calling us today and in this service today. Some of you who are here who do not know Jesus Christ, God is through Jesus Christ calling you. He's saying to you, look what I've done for you. I've died for you in your place so that you might live and have a new way of life. And he promises us an inheritance beyond our imagination. Look, lots of people have a lot of confidence when they gain a earthly inheritance. Well, they think, well, I've, my future's taken care of. The problem with earthly inheritances is that you leave it here when you die. You all do know this, don't you? I, don't, I hope I don't have to remind you, you don't carry your earthly inheritance of stuff and money and the rest into heaven. You leave it here and oh, by the way, it goes into somebody else's hands. Eternal inheritance is far different from our earthly inheritance. What are you doing with what God has given you on this earth? Lots of people in the world 
are worried and concerned about their earthly things, worried about taking care of them, worried, oh, the cares and worries of taking care of our earthly inheritance. The reality is the only inheritance that matters, the only inheritance that gives security and encouragement is the heavenly, this, this eternal inheritance that you receive in Jesus Christ. That's why we read such things from Paul. The Spirit testifies with our spirit. Now, this is the way the Holy Spirit talks to Christians. I've heard some people talk about outrageous things about how the Holy Spirit talks to them. Here's what the Holy Spirit says to your mind as a believer as you're living through the troubles of life and all the difficulties. Listen, it's Romans chapter 8. Many of you in this room know it very well. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Oh, man. Oh, for me to know and to gain the joy of knowing that I am a child of God. Did we not just sing it and celebrate it together? I'm a child of God. That's who I am. Oh, if a child, also an heir. And if an heir, an heir of God and a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. What can we say? You have an eternal, so what does, what does the believer who has eternal salvation say about an, an eternal inheritance that waits for him in heaven? Well, he says, I have everything I need. He says, or she says, I have a future that never ends. He or she says, I have confidence in the future regardless of what happens because heaven is my home. And he or she says, I am an inheritor of what Jesus Christ has. How could I be loved any more than that? Praise God. Peter said, we obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, which is undefiled and will not fade away and your name's on it in heaven when you get there. Why is it that such, such joyful things are of so little concern to the church in America today? How can I speak of such things? And then as soon as we leave here, we go back to the things, the cares and worries of the world. You're, not, you're never going to live out a time. And some, some of you are trying to do this. I'm speaking to you as your pastor. I love you in the Lord Jesus. But you're never going to have a time when you don't have troubles and worries. That's the condition of living in this world. Sometimes it's going to affect your body physically. Sometimes it's going to touch your emotions. Sometimes it's going to affect your relationships with other people and your family and your job and other places. The reality is, as a child of God, we walk through this world with its pain, its difficulty, reminded that this world is going to end. It's coming to an end and all that it's apart. But we are eternal we are eternally in Jesus Christ, connected to Him, and praise God, heaven is our home. Live like someone whose country is heaven, not the United States of America. Think about your true country. And think about who gave you 
your eternal life and the inheritance of all that goes with it. An inheritance in the eternal presence of God with eternal life forever unending. There's no day, there's no night, there's no old, there's no young. An eternal home in heaven with the saints of God, the glorious saints of God from every generation and the angels of God glorifying God and the pleasures and joy of heaven that are ours forever and ever. As the Lord makes a new heaven and a new earth, whatever he chooses to do, it is ours and we are there forever. My friend, wouldn't you like that rather than perishing in your sin? Wouldn't you like that rather than dying, saying that you're such a smart person, that you know more than God, that you don't need forgiveness, that you don't need to have your life changed? You see, the Lord, I present to you today the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his blood, entered the holy place of heaven once for all and has obtained and secured eternal salvation. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and you become an inheritor with God. So what do we remember today as we go? Well, the Lord Jesus, I've said it numerous times today is in heaven for you. I wonder today, you know, when you love somebody who's far away and they're not with you, we have technology, we call them up. We get, we get on the Zoom call, we get on the whatever it is. We, 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 we text them we, just to hear from them, just to know that they're okay. We're away from them, we're separated from them. Someone we deeply love, we're away from them, but we do what we can to, to speak with them. I wonder if you say you love Jesus, do you ever speak with Him? If you say you love Jesus, if you say you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, no one else has ever died for you. No one else has ever laid down their life for you. Where do you find your time? He is in heaven waiting for you to call to him. Approach the throne of grace. Go to heaven when you pray. Approach the throne of grace. Tell him what you need. He sympathizes. He sympathizes with you and he understands what you need today. And security comes from obtaining eternal salvation. The only way I'm going to be secure is to be saved. And I'm only saved and secure because the Lord Jesus Christ has made that security possible. And whatever the, that'll help you when you face death. That'll help you when the bad news comes. That'll help you when the accident comes and you think, oh my, what will I do? Am I going to make it? Yes, eternal security says, I am saved whether I live or die. I am saved and I belong to God. And whatever the Lord Jesus Christ, you want something to think on today? Whatever the Lord Jesus Christ has inherited, you have, an in, you have that same inheritance also as a child of God connected to him. So hallelujah for the cross Hallelujah for the cross. I ask you this question from the hymn today. Maybe you can answer it with me today. What can wash away my sins? Amen. Amen. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near. He is near. We know how to watch the weather. We know how to change, see the changing of the seasons. But do you, my friends, see the changing of the times? The birth pangs are great. They're great. The Lord Jesus is near the door. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you ready? And that's what, that's what God's people who have eternal salvation and eternal inheritance say. They say, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. 
And that's what we say today.